Have you ever heard a story about an exotic pet owner who has problems with their pet? There's a man in England who kept 10 snakes and 12 tarantulas in his bedroom with him. Doesn't that sound like the perfect environment for a good night's sleep? Just before you switch off your nightlight, you're looking at 10 living pairs of snake eyes and 12 tarantulas. And of course, one of the pythons got out and started to attack its owner. And then people buy lion cubs and tiger cubs because they're so cute, except they don't fully think through what happens when the cubs grow up and become ferocious, so that the pet owner then tries to pawn off the big tiger onto zoos. And it's estimated that there are more tigers that live in captivity under pet owners than there are tigers that are in the wild. Some people, if you can believe it, get baby elephants and then don't think through what will happen when they grow up. Exotic pet owners keep wolves and camels, monkeys, even hippos for pets. Yet often something goes wrong. Why might that be? Well, because they're wild animals and they still have their natural instincts and the once cute lion cub grows up to be a hunter and the owner's inability to completely tame the wildness can come back to bite the owner literally now you and i may not own exotic pets but we all own something that is difficult to tame and this thing can open doors for new opportunities for us but it also can lead to great destruction for ourselves and for others. And this wild thing that needs taming is our tongue. I suspect all of us can rem remember times in our lives when we've said things that we later regret, that we know cause damage, that we know cause destruction. And we have also probably, many of us, been on the receiving end of people who let loose their untamed tongue and did damage to us. And today our words are not only expressed through our tongues, but through emails and through texts and through posts on social media. All of these relate to our words and our speech. And this is the next topic brought up by the letter writer James in the letter that we're looking at this summer. James has emphasized that real faith in Christ not only hears God's word but acts on it. And he will argue that real faith in Christ is, shows concern for taming our tongues. Now, we might think, you know, is it really that big of a deal to tame your tongue compared to the criminal sins of murder and all the other bad things that are out there. But James will use this passage to answer the question, why do we need to tame our tongues? So we're going to look at his answers to the question, and then we're going to look at how to respond to what he says and what God says to us through his word. And I have been praying that for those of you who are here today and those of you who are watching online, that your hearts 
my heart will be open to what God says to us today about our speech. And I pray that you might also turn to God for healing. If you have been on the receiving end of abusive and hurtful speech that has impacted you, for your heavenly Father's words are perfect and true and comforting. And I pray that all of us will be encouraged by God's interest and help for us in this very ordinary area of everyday life. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to James chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 12. It's page 856 in the Bibles that we have here. So James 3, 1 to 12, and this immediately follows the passage we looked at last week about faith without works is dead. So James 3, starting in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs neither can a salt pond yield fresh water so why do our tongues need taming and to tame means to bring from natural wildness into a domesticated or more cultivated state it means to train something wild to be mild it involves change from a savage into a gentle or calm state. And James talks about the need to tame our wild tongues. And he gives three reasons why we need to take this seriously. So why do our tongues need taming? Reason number one is, though small, our tongues have a large influence on life for good or for bad. And James introduces this in verse 1 by talking about teachers. He writes, Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach 
will be judged with greater strictness. And he's not talking about school teachers here. He's talking about teachers in the church. And it seems that many were interested in becoming teachers in the church because those in the lower classes had few opportunities for advancement in status. So if you were recognized as a teacher, you immediately, immediately gained higher status. And you also had great power because you could teach and influence others. So it seems that many pursued teaching in the church solely to raise their social and economic standing. And James warns against this because of the great responsibility that accompanies teaching. A teacher in the church had the power to draw people to Christ or to lead them on a pathway away from Christ. So teachers would be judged more strictly on judgment day. They needed to take great care in their speech. And from there, James addresses speaking more generally. In verse 2, he says, For no one, or for, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. Teachers stumble in their words. Everyone stumbles in their words. So we need to be aware of this. We need to recognize, we can say things that are wrong and hurtful and inappropriate. And then he paints a picture of perfection. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So self-controlled speech points to a self-controlled life. Someone who never stumbles in their speech has perfect control over themselves. Yet James has just said, we all stumble in many ways. So we can't attain this perfection. And we need then to show concern for our speech. Because small tongues have a large impact. And then in verses 3 and 4, he gives examples of small things having impact on something great. So verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So there's an example of something small, like a bit in the mouth of a horse that helps control something much larger. And if you were to weigh a horse bit and a horse, the horse would vastly outweigh the horse bit. And yet this little bit can help control the massive horse. Or verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And notice again he uses the word large and small. Large ship, very small rudder. Yet the very small rudder controls the direction of the very large ship. And then verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So small, great. And boasting is often seen negatively in the Bible, but here it simply points, I think, to the tongue's ability to say great things or make great claims. And sometimes these great things can be good 
Like we aim to find the cure for a disease. Or we will change this unfair system. Or there's always hope when we invite God into a situation. Simple words can make great claims. And such words can lead to great action. So the tongue, though small, very small, can have a great influence for good. And hopefully, you have had people in your life who spoke words of encouragement that helped you to keep going. But the very same small tongue can have a large influence leading to bad things. Notice the second half of verse 5 and verse 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. And we don't have to imagine how a great forest can be set ablaze by a spark. We have been breathing the wildfire smoke of great fires caused by single sparks or little fires. Most of us know someone was evacuated this year from the, because of the wildfires. Widespread destruction be, happens because of initial sparks. And think about the widespread destruction a false rumor can bring to another person's life. Or a picture shared on Facebook or on social media without context can bring destruction to the person in the picture. And what they're doing, not be, with, if what they're doing is not explained in context. And James says that the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. From the tongue, the unrighteousness of the world can flow out. Think about a tongue. It can gossip and lie, slander and curse, tempt and threaten. Yet, it not only destroys others, it can also destroy ourselves. Notice the middle of verse 6. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now, which body is James talking about in verse 6? It could be the body of Christ. And if it is, an untamed tongue within a church can cause great destruction and devastation within the church community. But if it's our body, our untamed tongue can stain our lives and trouble the entirety of our lives if we don't address it. One commentator writes, since the tongue is involved so fundamentally in all the thoughts imaginations, longings, and plans which lie behind the whole of our earthly life. It can leave a mark of its own defilement everywhere. So the untamed tongue, though small, has this incredible power to destroy others and ourselves. And somehow James ties the untamed tongue to the source of hell. 
It somehow connects to the values and destructive purposes of that realm. And this all supports James' main theme through verses 1 to 6 that the very small tongue has a very large influence, whether for good or for evil. So that's reason one, why we need to be concerned about it. Then comes reason number two. Why else do our tongues need taming? Because we can't tame them on our own. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So James uses Genesis language to describe the animal kingdom, beasts, Birds, reptiles, sea creatures, they've all been tamed by humans to an extent, but no human being can tame the tongue. Humans have trained elephants and lions, dolphins and orcas, camels and alligators, hawks and pigeons, but no human being can tame the tongue. Why? And Jesus explains or gives one reason in Matthew 15. He says in verse 11 of Matthew 15, it is not what goes into a mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Or Matthew 15, 18 and 19, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And that's why no human being can tame the tongue on our own. We can suppress what's on our tongue. We can try to keep inside that which bubbles out of our heart, but we can't give ourselves new hearts. Only God has the power to do that. So here, James points to our need for God. We can't tame our tongues apart from him because we can't change our hearts like he can. And then James gives a third reason why our tongues need taming. So reason number three is humans have a unique to all creation ability for duplicitous talk. Double talk, two-faced talk, deceptive talk. We can deceive with our words. We can say, oh, I love you, when we know inside we hate you, or I hate you. We can bring two opposing statements about the same situation from the same mouth. He says in verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. So a person goes to church on Sunday morning and they sing blessings to God through the songs and through the time together in the, in the worship service. And then at the end of the service, they see someone across the, the church that they don't like. And they turn to their friends and say, can you believe what she's wearing today? How ridiculous. Or 
They see a guy they don't like and they say, look at that idiot over there who thinks he's something. I hope he fails at his job. From the same mouth comes blessing to God and cursing of God's creatures or image bearers. For every person in this world is created in the image of God. And James concludes at the end of verse 10, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. This is contrary to nature. This is not right. And then he gives a couple of examples of consistency in nature. Verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? So towns and villages are built around springs or wells in ancient times and their lives depended on regular fresh water. They couldn't have fresh water one day and then the next day salt water. They couldn't survive if one day the well was fresh and then for four days the well was salty. An opening of water produces one kind of water, fresh or salty. Yet an opening of the mouth produces blessing and cursing? Or verse 12, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No. The source of a fig tree will produce figs. A tomato plant produces tomatoes, not peas. A grapevine produces grapes, not figs. Yet the same mouth speaks blessing and curses? And he concludes with another example that a salt pond cannot produce fresh water. And then he ends. And this really struck me in looking at these verses this week. James has just raised the issue of the need to tame our tongues and he offers no solution. He offers no command. And I think part of the answer will come in the next passage in verses 13 to 18. But verses 1 to 12 point to our need. Yet remember James assumes the gospel. He doesn't talk about the cross or Jesus' sacrifice or salvation. He assumes it. And I think he assumes that readers who read verses 1 to 12 would assume, well, I obviously need God. I can't do this on my own. For no human being can tame the tongue. And this is where the gospel comes in. This is where we need to turn to God for help. Since our tongues need taming, we must trust God's power to tame them. So how do we do that? And I want to give you a, a strategy for dependence on God to tame our tongues. And I think these are kind of in an order, but there's not a strict order here. Yet I, yet I hope you'll see the progression. Okay, so strategy. Number one, we need to repent of sins of the tongue or of minimizing sins of the tongue. We learn back in James 2 verse 10 that whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one part of it is guilty of all of it. So sins of the tongue put Jesus on the cross. He poured out his blood because of sins like gossip and slander and malice and verbal abuse. 
So we must repent of our sins of the tongue or maybe repent of minimizing the sins of the tongue. Then number two, we need to confess our need for God's help to tame our tongues. James 3.8 again, no one can tame the tongue, yet God is gracious and merciful. He's willing to help. He knows that we all stumble in many ways. And God cares enough about us to change our hearts and our speech. But he won't force himself into our lives if we don't want to change. So we need to admit our need. I need your help, God, to tame my tongue. Then number three, so we ask for God's help to tame your tongue. And Psalm 19.14, which is on the front page of your bulletin, says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I think that verse is both a hope, but also an invitation for the Lord to speak and change our words and our meditation to be acceptable in his sight. Or you know Romans 12 too, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what do you think happens if our minds are transformed and renewed? Well then, our speaking is going to be transformed and renewed. Our behavior is going to be transformed and renewed. So we need to ask for God's help to tame our tongues. And then number four, we need to learn God's word. Learn God's word. Ephesians 4.29 is a good one. For example, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So in this one little verse, we learn God does not want corrupting talk to come out of our mouths. God wants us to build others up as fits the occasion. God wants our speech to give grace to others. So we learn God's word. And then number five, we pray God's word. God, please change my heart. Help me to stop speaking corrupting talk. Help me to speak only what is good for the building up of others and what fits the occasion. Help my words to give grace to those who hear. And then these last ones are a little bit more general and I hope practical. Number six, hold your tongue in the heat of the moment. James 1.19 says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so when we find ourselves triggered, when we find ourselves upset, we need to take a personal time out or break to calm ourselves down to examine why we're upset before we fire back a response. And if we're in an emotional digital conversation or electronic conversation, don't just fire back an email in response. Sit on it for a day where you can read it again when you're more calmed down. So hold your tongue in the heat of the moment. But sometimes we have to have difficult conversations. So number seven is set up meeting times to have difficult conversations. God 
does this again and again throughout the scriptures. One example is in Isaiah 1 verse 18. He says, come now, let us reason together. So he's inviting the Israelites to come and have a conversation with him about reconciliation. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So it's an inviting to come together, to reason together, right after, in verses 11 to 17, he's just listed all the ways they've rebelled against him. But he says, come, let us reason together. Let's reconcile, let's talk about this. And sometimes we have to set up meetings for difficult conversations where we prepare our thoughts and we maybe write out what we want to say and we pray over what we've written out and we ask for God's editing and refinement and maybe we share with a friend a trusted friend this is what I think I'm going to say to this person how does it sound and then we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us calmness as we share our points and listen to their points and then number eight follow good examples of controlled speech follow and become good examples of controlled speech the greatest example of controlled speech is Jesus himself he never spoke deceptively in 1st Peter 2 22 we read he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth so we learn We watch Jesus and his words of life. Remember his words, for God so loved the world, or your sins are forgiven, or do you want to be healed? Always these words reaching out to people to build them up, to give grace to those who hear. And maybe you also, and I hope you also, have had people in your lives who have set the example of good speech, have spoken to you, or spoken to you words of encouragement and good speech and you like to spend time with them because of your confidence in their speech and maybe you can learn from them as Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.13 follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus so we must follow examples of good speech also become examples of good speech famously for me anyway is first timothy 4 12 don't let anyone look down on you because you are young or middle-aged or senior-aged but set an example for the believers in what first speech speech in love in faith in life and in purity so Talking and the way we talk can be a huge example to others. And I pray that some of these might help us not only hear this word, but act on it, which is what James has been pushing throughout his entire letter. Because we may not own a wild animal, but all of us have a wild tongue that needs taming. And some of us have been sinned against by others who have let their untamed tongue loose upon us and so to close today I want to invite you to talk to God about something maybe he's spoken to you about during our time together maybe it's 
that you have to simply admit, yes, I have minimized importance, the importance of paying attention to the way I talk. Or maybe it's one of these eight that God has put out to you as this is an area that you can focus on maybe this summer. Or maybe you do need healing because of the harsh words of others and you need to come to him today for his healing touch. Or maybe it's simply we need to keep going and growing in knowing God so that he will continue to change our hearts, renew our minds, and change our speech. Will you come to him now as we, as we, uh, as we pray? And I want to invite you to just have a couple moments yourself with the Lord to respond to something he might have said to you during our time. And Lord God, words are powerful. Words can go deep, can cut deep. And so for the words that we may have spoken that have caused harm, we confess. And we ask for your strength and courage to go to those that we have hurt with our words to ask forgiveness, if we can, if we can reconcile with them. And for some here today, Lord, others' words have cut deep. And I lift them before you today, Lord, those who have been hurt. And I pray against, in Jesus' name, the enemy's use of those words to try to keep us down repeating discouraging words in our minds, repeating lies to us that harm us. Help us, Lord, to heal and to see truth and to be able to speak truth to those words that go through our minds that keep us down or keep hurting or keep us discouraged. And then, Lord Jesus, help us to be a people that speaks words of truth and encouragement and giving grace and appropriate words to one another. Might this be a place and a community where we can come and we can be encouraged, recognizing we all stumble in many ways, so we give grace and we forgive but we encourage one another to speak in ways that please you may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight O Lord our rock and our redeemer Amen